All right. Welcome those of you that are watching on the stream. And we're talking about spiritual gifts and uh, we're talking about the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is us, right? So Jesus died and he rose and then he ascended to the Father. And now he sent his spirit into us and we are his body on earth. Okay, so that's what we're going to find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul outlines this very, very clearly that we are Christ's body on earth. We are the physical expression, representation of Jesus on earth, right? So let's read, we're going to read 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 13 through 20. And this is the English Standard Version that I'll be reading. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Um, If the, uh, hang on. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye and I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing, where would be the sense of hearing, excuse me. If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But but as it is, God arranged the members in, in the body, each one of them as he chose. Notice, this is just like he gives the gifts as he chooses. He arranges each one of us in the body as he chooses. Um, Verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So um, here is a good quote from William Barclay from his New Daily Study Bible. He says, Paul goes on to look at this in another way. You, he says, are the body of Christ. There is a tremendous thought here. Christ is no longer in this world in the body. Therefore, if he wants a task done within the world, he has to find someone to do it. If he wants a child taught, he has to find a teacher who will teach that child. If he wants a sick person cured, he has to find a physician or surgeon who will do his work. If he wants his story told, he has to find someone to tell it. Literally, we have to be the body of Christ, hands to do his work, feet to run upon his errands, a voice to speak for him. Well, that's a significant responsibility, isn't it? That's what we're here for. We're here not just to represent Christ, but to be Christ in the world. And that's really, really important. So that's why it's important for us to be the church. The church is the body of Christ. Uh, That's why it's important for us not to just run around and be all of our independent places and people. We need to be uh, living up to this responsibility of being the body of Christ on earth. Um, So, I think that it's important to note that unity of purpose does not mean uniformity of personality, gifting, ministry, or activity. So we all have one purpose to be the body of Christ on earth, but that doesn't mean we're all one thing. We all act exactly alike. We have different 
purposes. We have different uh, responsibilities. Uh, we have different parts to play in this uh, wonderful um, narrative that the Lord has written. So we should celebrate our differences. We shouldn't denigrate or elevate our uniqueness um, or that of another. So I may think somebody else is more important than me, but that's really not the case either. I may think I'm more important than somebody else, but that's really not the case either. We each have our role. We each have our responsibility in the body of Christ, and it's incumbent upon each of us to discover what that is. You're not less important in the church because you don't speak well in front of a group. You're not insignificant because you can't read well. There's plenty of people that don't read that well, but that doesn't mean they're insignificant. There are people who are able to listen well. They can sit in a group and listen and they can uh, really absorb what they're hearing and learn from it. And there are other people that have a very difficult time doing that. Uh, I was uh, on a particular YouTube channel yesterday, I think it was, and I was listening to an interview by a YouTuber I guess for lack of a better term, uh, who calls himself Mr. Beast. And those of you that are on YouTube would recognize this figure. Um, and he has some ridiculous number of followers. And he was talking about how he got started. And he indicated that he didn't do well in school, that he didn't like school. He didn't like sitting there in a classroom and listening to these teachers uh, just talk and talk and talk. And I think that's the case with a lot of young people today, with a lot of children today. They just don't want to sit and listen. And maybe that's not entirely bad. Maybe we've, uh, we've not done a very good job of helping people that have different, uh, what they would call learning modalities to learn from their particular modality or their uniqueness. Some people learn by seeing some people learn by doing, some people learn by hearing. And the church is really big on uh, speaking so that people can hear, but not everybody is going to be very, very good at that. So I think what we can learn, or at least one of the things we can learn from this passage is that we are all different. And uh, these different giftings allow us to exercise Christ's body on earth. So just like your body has hands and feet and eyes and ears and nose and mouth, and all of those parts of the body are working together, but they're all different, right? So um, you think of different parts of the body, that makes sense, right? Your hands, your feet, and so forth, as I mentioned. But within each part of the body, there are different cells, right? You have brain cells and blood cells and nerve cells and muscle cells. You have all these different types of cells. But in each cell is the exact same DNA, which is the code of you, your physicality, right? That, that code, that DNA contains everything that you are, and although all of these cells are diversified throughout your body, in different parts of the body, doing different things, they're still all unified by that DNA. So all of us, though we are different in different parts of the body and we're not uniform, we still have a united purpose because we have stamped upon us the 
DNA of Jesus. All of us are a part of Christ. We're a part of the body of Christ, okay? So the Holy Spirit gives gifts to everyone. That's what we've been learning in this particular passage in 1 Corinthians 12. And if you've yet to discover your gift, then you need to start asking and seeking and trying, knocking, right? Go and, and get involved in your church and do different things. If you don't know what you're gifted to do, try doing some different things and see whether the Lord works in that particular area because you may not know what you think you know. And until you get up and you move and you try some things, you're not going to discover exactly what you're there to do. I like to say you cannot turn a bike if you're not pedaling, right? So in fact, you can't even stay on a bike unless you're pedaling, right? You've got to be moving so that the bike will stay up. And then once you're pedaling, then you can turn to the right or you can turn to the left. So there is a time to sit and listen and pay attention to the Lord, but then we need to get up off of our knees and we need to move forward and we need to do something. And in the process of doing, the Lord can show us what we're supposed to be, right? So you don't need to be on stage to be important. Uh, many people whom you've never seen in front of the congregation or the community are doing very important things, right? Let's move to verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members... Uh, may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So on the other hand, no pun intended, right? The body, hand. Uh, don't think that what you do is more important than others or less important than others. Just because you serve in some capacity does not exempt you from going to Bible study. I've seen this many times. Uh, there are those that serve in certain areas in the church so they don't have to go to worship, right? Um, you know, the, the deacon that wants to be an usher out in the lobby and then doesn't go in and listen to worship. Um, you know, the person who thinks that, well, because they're, maybe working security, that means that they don't need to go to Bible study. Uh, just because you serve in this capacity, whatever it may be, doesn't exempt you from being a part of the overall body life in the church. Just because you know a lot about the Bible, that doesn't mean you don't need to be a part of worship and receive the teaching that is there and the word that the Lord has given to uh, your pastor teacher or that you don't need to be in Bible study and receive what the Lord has given to that person. The thing is, it's not about knowledge. It's about listening to what the Lord says to you. I read the Bible every morning and I'm reading passages that I've read countless times. I'm not reading them because I need to figure out what the Bible says. I'm reading them because I want to know what God says to me. What is God saying to me this morning? 
And then, as I've told you guys many times, um, I send a passage out, a verse out, and a chapter out uh, to people every day. And so if you would like to get in on that, then get uh, go to our website and register on our flock note. Um, and uh, you can look for the daily Bible uh, section on flock note and click that and you'll start receiving a verse from me every day and a chapter. And I'm trying to, you know, discover what the Lord would say to all of us each day. So I send that verse out and my hope is in sending the link to the chapter in the Bible app that people will click that and they will read that. You need to be looking at what the Lord is saying to you each day. Um, that's a prayer you need to you need to exercise on a regular basis. Lord, what do you want to say to me? What do you want me to do today? So it's not about just gaining more knowledge about the Bible. It's about understanding what God has to say to you on that particular day, right? Um, I remember some years ago, I was teaching a young person in our youth group. And uh, she was being raised by her grandmother. And I, I can't remember why I went over to their house. I was called to their house. And the grandmother said this to me. She said, young man, I have forgotten more of the Bible than you know. Well, there you go. That's an arrogant statement, actually. And it could be true. It could be true. Might not be true. But what I'm trying to say is it's not a matter of how much of the Bible you know or have been exposed to. It's a matter of how much of the Bible each and us, each and every one of us are doing, right? Are we listening? Are we paying attention to what the Lord is saying to each of us, right? Um, so, I, you know, I can't rest on my laurels and attend church sporadically. Uh, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, I experience God more at the lake or in the mountains than I do when I'm sitting in church. Okay, well, perhaps on an emotional level, maybe even on the spiritual level, that may be true. But that doesn't exempt you from being part of the community of faith. You know, it's just too easy for people not to show up. There are too many excuses. We've just been too, through two years of the pandemic and it's given us all the excuse not to go to church. We just think we can sit at home and experience the same thing that we would when we go to church. Friend, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, and I'm glad you're watching on YouTube, but that's simply not the case. You need to be a part of a community of faith. You need to be a part of a small group. You need to be a part of a worship group. Uh, a group of people that are worshiping as a community, you're not getting the same thing at home. You're really not. You're not getting the same thing by reading your Bible in your room. You need to do that. That's not unimportant. There are those that simply go to church once a week and don't read their Bible at home. There are those that maybe go to church once a week or even less, and then they may go to the mountains or may go to the lake and experience God, and, and that's wonderful. Um, but you can't, it's not an either or, it's a both and. We're to experience God everywhere we go, but we need to be a part of one another. We need to, uh, to encourage one another. We need to lift one another up. Uh, we need to strengthen one another. And that happens when we are together. And being online, I'm sorry. Hey, again, I'm glad you're watching. I'm glad you're listening to the podcast or watching the podcast, but it's not the same thing as being a part 
of a local New Testament body of Christ where you are gathered together. If that makes you feel a little guilty, maybe what you're dealing with is what the Holy Spirit uh, would call conviction. You need to be where you're supposed to be, not sitting on your laurels, right? Um, So it's important to do something other than taking a break every other Sunday and you know, going to Six Flags or to the lake or wherever it is that you're going, okay? Um, When we're at church, if one of us are honored, then all of us are honored. So there shouldn't be this tendency to think that, um, you know, the person on stage that is getting the attention is more important than someone who is sitting out here or who is volunteering. You know, we have people that every other week are upstairs with our children and they're not able to participate in the worship service. They're working with the kids, but they're not less important because they're doing that. In fact, according to this passage, they're more important. We need those folks. We need people that are willing to work with our children. But that's the reason why we have the podcast. That's the reason why we have YouTube and Facebook. That allows these people who are participating uh, in another way upstairs, volunteering and so forth, to be able to receive the word uh, at a different time. Or even sometimes they'll be on their device while they're caring for the children and watching what's going on because as it is right now, it is being live streamed. And then of course the live stream is recorded and you may be listening to it later and that is the case, okay? Um, So we should all be honored when one person is honored. There shouldn't be any jealousy in the body because someone seems to be getting more attention than others. We need to honor other people at church. Uh, The best servants are the least likely to desire, much less require recognition, but still we should offer our appreciation for everyone who does. So we had a servant in this church for many years uh, who passed away um, in 2020, right at the outset of of the pandemic. He didn't pass away as the result of the pandemic. Um, but uh, his name was Vernon and he was in this church for many years and he did a lot of things behind the scenes. And he always said, uh, you know, pastor, I don't want you to tell anybody that I'm doing this, right? He would always, he would buy Easter lilies for our church every, you know, Easter Sunday. We had these beautiful Easter lilies up here in the front of the church. And he bought them. He bought all of them. He would, uh, every year we decorated for Christmas. And this man was in his 90s when he joined our church. And he would bring his little step stool up here and he would set it up and he wanted to help decorate. And he would buy all these decorations for our church. And he'd always say, again, pastor, I don't want you to tell anybody that I'm doing this. He didn't want people to know that wasn't his purpose. His purpose was to serve. And so now that he's not here to be embarrassed, and by the way, he was here every Wednesday until he could no longer drive himself here, he was here. When we have much younger members who are much more healthy and much more capable of being here who would not show up, Vernon was here. He was always here. And, uh, you know, he was a model of faithfulness, but he didn't want people to know that. So often it is the people that are the most important that are the least likely to get the recognition that we would assume that they would deserve. So don't be envious when someone else is recognized, even if you did all the work and you got ignored. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but uh, there was a, a lady in our church 
over the summer, uh, we did a, um, there was a potluck that we did. And uh, this lady, we didn't send our kids to children's camp this summer, um, this last summer, uh, that is, because my concern was that they would have to wear face masks the whole time. And I just didn't think they would enjoy themselves terribly much. The other thing was, because of the face masking and the, so, the social distancing and so forth, I just waited forever before I even thought about sending them, and then the camp was already full. So um, this lady sent her children to another camp that another church did. And as a result of that, the end of that camp week happened, and her children each got a reward of some sort from going to that camp, and it was with another church. And so her husband, so that he could be there for their children, attended that church so their children could receive their reward. But she was here. And we had a potluck that Sunday. And she was hauling tables down the stairs by herself. And I said, can I help you? I mean, it's, you know, and she's setting up and doing all of this. You know what I found out later? It was her birthday that day. Right now, we never know how that impacts people. Some people, you know, their servants, that's just the way they do. But, you know, it hurts when nobody pays attention. It hurts when nobody is willing to acknowledge that you're doing something. And, you know, the enemy, our enemy, the devil, the devil means slanderer, can slander you and make you feel like, you know what, you don't matter. You're insignificant. These people don't care. So one never knows. But uh, I found that out and I wished her a happy birthday and, you know, I was very grateful and, uh, and I am very grateful. There are plenty of people like her in this church, okay? Um, so don't be envious when someone else is recognized, even if you did all the work and got ignored. God will give you a better reward. What reward are you looking for? Recognition? Are you looking for a little trophy or a medal or a certificate? Listen to this scripture from Isaiah 62. The Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughter Zion, see your savior comes. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. See, the Lord brings the reward with him. In the end, the Lord is our reward. So I'm just looking to please the Lord. If I please the Lord, then I've received my reward. God is the reward. The Holy Spirit is the real gift of God. That's what we're told in Luke 11, 11 through 13. Verse 13 says, and how much more will you heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There's the reward right there is God's presence, God's spirit with you. So if a member of our community is missing or hurting, it affects us all. You know, we have people that are normally here on Wednesday and they're not here tonight. And it's impacting me right now. It's impacting us right now that these people are not here. Now, I don't know why they're not here. They have things to do. Um, maybe those things are important. Maybe those things are not important. But nonetheless, it is having an impact. If you don't show up to church, it has an impact on the people that are there. You are important. Your presence is important. Being there is important to the Lord, okay? So uh, let's move on to the next verses. Beginning with verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, 
second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly earnestly desire the greater gifts? The rhetorical answer to all those questions is no, right? Um, you know, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Not all do. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And next week we'll talk about the gift that the Apostle Paul calls the highest gift, which is love, right? So let's look at this. Um, he says, You're, you are... All of you together constitute the body of Christ and individually your members, just like your hands, your feet, your, your tongue, your eyes, your members of it. And God has appointed in the church, right? So the word for appointed means, and this is, uh, this is coming from uh, the uh, Arndt Danker and Bauer Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament. Um, so this is a legitimate lexicon or dictionary of the New Testament. Um, the word appointed means to put or place in a particular location, to lay, to put, to assign to some task or function, to appoint, to assign. You are placed in the body of Christ in a particular location. There's this idea that the church is just kind of like everywhere but it expresses itself in particular locations. So our location where we meet is in downtown Garland at the corner of 6th Street and State. That's our location. And those who God has called to be part of Lifewell Church come to this location. And there are times, uh, for instance, tomorrow night, there will be a small group that will meet uh, near Richardson and then on Friday, there will, there will be one that meets in Saxe. And on Saturday, there will be two of them. One will meet in uh, Rowlett and the other one will meet in North Garland. And on Saturday, uh, there will be two. One will meet in um, Wiley and the other will meet in Josephine. At those points in time, there are those that are appointed who meet in those locations who express the, bodies, the body of Christ. You cannot get this idea that the body of Christ is just you hanging out with a couple of people in a Bible study or you just sitting at home reading your Bible. That's not it, right? We're appointed to be a part of a particular local New Testament church or expression of that church, okay? So these are gifts of ministry in particular communities of faith. What was just mentioned in this passage are gifts of ministry that are exercised in particular New Testament communities. You don't exercise these at your house. You don't exercise these independent of a church. You exercise these as a part of a local New Testament community. So he says apostles. That's the first gift that he mentioned. Apostle means those who are sent. So today's, these would be missionaries from a particular congregation, and they're appointed to start new communities of faith, to start new churches, 
And then prophets. Prophets are preachers, those who speak God's message to his people. Some congregations may only have one. Some may have more than one. Then there are teachers. Every pastor is supposed to have this gift of teaching. Those who focus on teaching God's people about his word and training them to follow Jesus. That's what a teacher is. Most congregations have several of these. However, uh, James warns, let not many of you become teachers, for we will incur a stricter judgment. That's James 3.1. So it is incumbent upon teachers to practice what they teach. So you've heard the statement, perhaps, practice what you preach. It's important to practice what you teach. We're training people to follow Jesus. I've got to lead the way when it comes to that. Then miracles. The word translated miracles is dunamis. It just means works of power, right? That's the word for power or capability with emphasis on the function. So here are the definitions. The potential for functioning in some way. Power, might, strength, force, capability. The ability to carry out something. The uh, ability or capability. And number three, a deed that exhibits ability to function powerfully. Deed of power, miracle, wonder. So this idea of miracles or works of power doesn't necessarily just mean those uh, things that supersede the laws of nature. This is someone who acts powerfully in the community of faith to accomplish uh, God's purpose. And then healing. These are people who focus on praying for healing, laying hands upon sick people, anointing them with oil, all of which are intended to encourage the faith of the sick person so that they may be healed by the Lord. Most of the time when Jesus healed someone, he said, your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. So when we lay hands on them, when we anoint them with oil, when we pray over them, we're seeking to encourage their faith so that their faith will bring about their healing. But there are times when people's faith is so weak that it really relies on the faith of the person who is praying for healing. And God uh, appoints certain people in the congregation who are... Um, they are ordained to do that. They are set apart for that purpose. And we need those people in our community. Uh, we should realize that coming out of the pandemic that we needed people like that. Um, and then uh, these uh, two gifts of helps or helping and administration. Um, these are uh, statements from William Barclay in his New Daily Study Bible. He says, Paul speaks of helpers. These were people whose duty it was to bring relief to the poor, to the orphan, to the widow, to the stranger. From the very beginning, Christianity was intensely practical. Some people may be poor speakers and have no gift for teaching, but it is open to everyone to help. Anybody can help, right? Um, but there are those who are uniquely gifted in this area. That is just their yearning, burning desire. They want to assist other people, to help other people. I think that it is important for all of us to notice that the Greek, uh, excuse me, the Hebrew word for help is ezer in the Old Testament. And this is the gift that God gives to the woman to help the man in a husband-wife relationship. Um, but the most important uh, meaning for that word or usage of that word in the Old Testament, that word ezer or helper, is applied to God. God is our helper. 
So if you are given this gift of helping other people to accomplish their ministry or their purpose, that's not less or insignificant or secondary. It's absolutely essential that support is, uh, is necessary for them. And then this idea of administration, again, uh, from William Barclay. Paul speaks of what the Revised Standard Version calls administrators. Uh, and then the word in Greek is kubernesis. The Greek word, he says, is very interesting. It literally refers to the work of a pilot who steers the ship through the rocks and shallows to harbor. Paul is referring to the people who carry out the administration of the church. It is absolutely vital work. In the foreground, the preacher and the teacher hold the limelight, but they could never do their work at all unless the, in the background there were those who shouldered responsibility for the routine day to day. That is administration, right? You notice the word minister is in administration. They're servants in the church. These are the diaconae, the deacons. That's what a deacon in a church is supposed to do, to be an administrator, to take the resources of the church and make sure that they are properly administered or distributed or used, okay? Um. So uh, we could never do our work, those of us that teach and preach, if it weren't for the administrators. There are parts of the body which are never seen, but which, would, but which have a function more important than any other. There are those who serve the church in ways that win no publicity, but without whose service the church could not go on. So this has been a relatively short teaching this evening. Um, but nonetheless, I hope that you have understood that the body of Christ requires diversity, not uniformity. And we should be able to apply that to our society as a whole. There's a real tendency today to assume that everybody must think alike. They call this groupthink, when everybody just says the same thing and thinks the same thing. But we can learn from one another when people have a diversity of opinion. Uh, in particular matters. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody is right, but sometimes you may be correct, you may be accurate, but you can still learn from someone else who has a different opinion than you. And you kind of pull on one another and perhaps you pull one another toward the middle. And I think that we can learn that in our society today. Um, the United States used to be very, very big on um, understanding that we, we need to be tolerant, excuse me, of one another. And that diversity is important, that we shouldn't all be alike. But today it would seem that in certain areas, especially in certain particular ideological uh, opinions, everybody is expected to say the same thing. And if you don't, well, then you can be deplatformed. Uh, in other words, you can be shut up and shut off. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's not this country. That's not what we were uh, we were founded upon. Now, that doesn't mean that that hasn't been going on since the beginning. It seems that uh, one particular group or ideology gains the power and they expect everybody to think like them. And then another group or ideology gains the power and they expect everybody to think like them. But short of actual harm done to other people, I think 
that diversity and tolerance are very, very important, perhaps more so in our day than they have ever been, um, so that uh, we can begin to, uh, to learn from one another again. Um, censorship has become the norm. Uh, there are certain books that are no longer tolerated. You can't even read them. I, I was reading um, my favorite novel is To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Until it, to Kill a Mockingbird is set during a time in this country when racism was rife. Um, uh, those of us that are younger perhaps don't remember when, uh, you know, the N-word was used in such a a hideous and violent way um, when people of color who were still very close to having been slaves were continued to, uh, they were continually treated as second-class citizens and accused of things that they hadn't done. And of course, this is what was behind the protest two years ago when it was pointed out that they're all too often are police officers who are profiling people of color and accusing them of things that they haven't done or even actually doing violence to them or taking their lives, as happened in the case of George Floyd. But um, the pendulum swings too far the other direction, and then there was this anti-police sentiment, which is also bigotry, the willingness to treat everybody who wears a uniform the same way as uh, this Derek Chavon character who was the perpetrator behind George Floyd's murder. But all police are not like that any more than all black people are criminals or, you know, name what you want to name. Somebody of a particular color or ethnicity is identified with a uh, a particular uh, negative stereotype. We 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 got to stop doing that. We've got to treat each other as individuals. We got to realize that people are people. Um, now you can be a part of a subculture, a cultural group that is involved in some form of criminal behavior or bigotry and so forth. And so the tendency is for those who see you, if you identify with that subculture. Uh, to be a part of that. So there are, there are criminal subcultures that are overly identified with certain ethnic groups. It's not because somebody's ethnicity causes that subculture of criminality, but it's because uh, a significant number of people in that ethnic group have chosen to identify with that criminal subculture. So for instance, do we think all Russians are evil? Right now, Russia has invaded the Ukraine. Do you realize that many people in Ukraine speak Russian and are ethnically, they're Slavs, they're related to the Russians? So if we were to just think that all Russians are evil, because that, that, you know, when I was growing up, the Russians were our enemies and every movie, you know, the Russians are evil, they're our enemies. And so now here we have it again. Well, what we have is we have an autocratic leader, a dictator, um, Vladimir Putin, who has convinced the leadership in his country to invade a nation that has done nothing to Russia. And they're killing people and they're bombing, they're shelling, they're doing all of these things. That doesn't mean all Russians are evil. But Russians who choose to follow Vladimir Putin are following evil, period. That's just the way it is, okay? 
All Germans were not evil during World War II. There were Germans who did not want to be a part of what the Nazis were doing. But Germans who chose to identify with Nazism were identifying with evil. Are you following what I'm saying? So it doesn't matter. Just because you're white doesn't mean you're white privilege and you're evil and you know, you're oppressing people of color. Just because you're black doesn't mean that you are whatever, you know, criminal, violent, evil, or whatever, uh, you know, whatever you want, to, you want to name there. We need to understand that uh, you know, we are individuals. We are individually responsible before God for our behavior and for our choices. And that um, each of us, will be judged as individuals, not as groups of people. Diversity is important. Diversity is a part of the body of Christ. Diversity is a central principle of what it means to be a, a Christian. We're not all the same. We are all meant to become like Jesus, but because Jesus is so broad and so amazing, every one of us can be just like Jesus and still be unique right? Just like the cells in your body, they all have that same DNA, but they are individually located in different parts of your body operating as a part of that purpose, that part of your body. So that's you. If you have chosen to put your faith in Jesus, you are unique, but yet you are part of the whole. So that's why uh, uniformity is wrong, uh, we're not all uh, identical and we should not all try to be identical to one another, look alike, talk alike, dress alike, and so forth. Diversity is important, but that doesn't mean that we should be separate from one another and assume that we can't understand one another. No, there is a unity of purpose and a diversity of expression in the body of Christ. And that's us. And that's what we're designed to be, all right? So God bless those of you that joined us online. We appreciate you. Those of you that listen to the podcast, we appreciate you so much and uh, hope that you will join us on Sunday.